Hello and welcome to the Minnesota Gardening Podcast, my friend. It is my honor to have you here with us today. My name is Brad Tabke and I'm the host of the podcast. And today we have our fourth episode and hopefully you had a chance to listen to the couple first episodes that we had about climate change and pollinators and jumping worms. And if you did and you enjoyed those, please go wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a review on there and a rating so that other folks in Minnesota who are caring about gardening can help find our podcast as well. I've The number of people who've listened to this so far has just been astounding. And so thank you so much, everyone, for being here. It's just awesome. And today, for our fourth episode, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Jen Hall, and she is a new gardener here in Minnesota. And she has a community space in Minneapolis. And with this podcast, I want to make sure to keep it as accessible to everyone who is just starting out in gardening, who has been gardening for decades. Whatever your situation is, I want to make sure that you have something to learn from this in every single episode. And with this episode, Jen talks about her journey going from starting as a gardener through starting to learn how she learned experiences in a community garden and what she wants to do in the future. So it's just a really great episode about how someone can get started with uh, with gardening and where you can go from there. So enjoy this episode with Jen Hall. You can see the show notes and pictures of Jen's garden at minnesotagardening.com slash four. All right. We are honored today to have one of our Minnesota Garden Club uh, Gardening Club members here with us, Jen Hall, who is a uh, community gardener in Minneapolis, is here today to talk with us about gardening. She's a newer gardener and uh, to talk about experience and how she has grown as a gardener and where she wants to take things in the future. And with this uh, episode, we want to, with the podcast, we want to make sure to be talking uh, about all different aspects of gardening and different uh, things that people want to know. So it's just an honor to have you here with us to chat today. Jen, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Brad. I'm excited to be here. Good. Will you give everybody a little uh, overview as to when you started gardening, like what your background was and that kind of thing? Sure. Well, bonjour, everyone. Like Brad said, my name is Jen. I use she, her pronouns, and I garden in the great city of Minneapolis. I think this is my third year of growing vegetables seriously. I've done some casual pots here and there, but yeah, this is my third year and my second year at this particular community garden, and I used to garden in St. Paul. So you live in an apartment in Minneapolis, and so you, uh, what pushed you and what made you want to start doing community gardening so you can have your own space in your own, uh, your own area. Yeah. So I first started, I was living in St. Paul in a really tiny studio apartment and I just needed to be in some green space. And that garden was about 15 minutes from home. And that was just, you know, I loved being there when I was there, but it was hard to get the motivation to go. But I love the aspect that we would come together and have these monthly work days. So I'd meet people that supposedly were from the neighborhood. And now that I've been in Minneapolis, that my garden is actually half a block away. So I actually meet people that live in the neighborhood, which has been great. So just to have that little sense of community in the heart of a city has been really nice. And I've always wanted to grow my own food. So uh, we I grew up on a farm. So, you know, I wanted to kind of restart that tradition as an adult of just, you know, having your own harvest. Awesome. And that's one of the neatest things about community gardens is just building that network of your neighbors and friends and getting to know people and work back and forth with what people are doing and and that kind of stuff. What's the most interesting or surprising thing that's happened to you while you've been doing your community gardening? 
most interesting or surprising is just the fact that I put stuff in the ground and it comes up. (laughs) (laughs) I never have considered myself to have a green thumb, but I've been able to grow, you know, some years, some pretty decent stuff. This year has been a challenge, as I'm sure a lot of gardeners know. But also just the connections that I have with people, like at the garden that I used to garden at in St. Paul, there were lawyers there, doctors, you know, average people. It was just like a nice mix. And so it's kind of a nice little microcosm. What kinds of things are you growing this year? This year, I grew some tomatoes, but those are pretty much done. I tried a variety of different peppers, some sweet and some hot. I did peas and beans. I tried to do a couple of Three Sisters mounds. And I have strawberries. And I just noticed a couple watermelons finally starting and cucumbers. So, Yeah, and tomatillos. Those are going nuts, as well as my ground cherries. So... I like to do variety, not necessarily quantity of any one thing. Yeah, we're uh, recording this in mid-September, and my ground cherries have, like, they just appeared probably six weeks ago or so, and they are just going nuts right now, because I had just tossed some seed down that was left over because the plants that I started just didn't make it, and then all of a sudden, I have ground cherries. So it's, uh, it's, it's my first time growing that. Have you grown ground cherries before? Yeah, actually, all of the cherries that ground cherries that came up for me this year were volunteers from last year because I got a little lazy about the harvest last fall. And I just <laughs> thought, oh, heck, see what happens. And I got, you know, five, like five to seven plants to come up, and they're all doing really well. So Nice. That's a good thing. Yeah, sometimes being lazy can help as a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I, and that's one of the greatest things about gardening is you can always, uh, like, you can always recover from things. You can always, like, if you have a season or just a couple weeks where you just don't feel like doing things, things are just generally recoverable and that kind of stuff. So what, what sorts of this year specifically, what sorts of issues did you run into? What was a struggle for you and what kinds of things did you learn based on those? Yeah. So the, I mean, like a lot of folks, the the drought was a huge issue and just the heat that we had, I kind of, I, I, so I work a shift, so I'm, at the fire station for 48 hours and then I'm home for four days. So that sort of schedule is great, but it's kind of hard when you need to water the garden every day. So I'd get there and I'm my own, my own worst enemy. Sometimes I do not mulch until late. Like I pretty much mulched my garden two weeks ago. So I would struggle because I'd go to the garden and everything was absolutely parched. And I, nobody at the garden goes regularly enough so that I could ask a neighbor to water or anything like that. So <laughs> the heat was, was really a killer. And I definitely thought a few of my plants were goners because I'd come back from work and go check on it. And things were kind of just really shrivelly and looking pretty sad. But it always kind of bounced back. And I've at least got a few tomatoes. <laughs> and I learned, too, that peppers actually thrive when they're not watered as often. So the peppers did pretty well. And the yeah, struggle, pep- too, is just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just say, yeah, peppers like a little abuse sometimes. They like to be uh, they like to be a little neglected. Yeah, apparently my peppers and tomatillos, they don't mind. There you go. <laughs> so the, uh, the other struggle that I have had, and which you and I talk, have talked about, is just knowing where to put everything. I have this 200-square-foot space, and I think, oh, I'm going to grow so much. And then you're out there planting, and you're like, wow, I'm really running out of space. <laughs> And how have you how have you worked with that? Like as you go through your now that you're in your third year, like how 
if you, if someone's a new brand new gardener, what would you say to them as to how to work for spacing? Yeah, I like to use the square foot planners. Like there's some print offs that you can find for free online where it'll show you how many of a certain plant you can put in square foot. So I kind of, I'll print off a few sheets of those, cut them all up and then, you know, just have some fun fighting my cat while I lay out the garden in the <laughs> winter <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm definitely a visual person. I kind of have to see like the map of the garden. And then when I, it, it comes to actual planting, what I've learned over these few years is just you know, things are going to be fine. You do have to cull and you do have to, you know, cut some of those tender little baby plants so that there's room to actual get, actually get vegetables. But just spending that time to lay things out how you think you want to and then know that the best laid plans will not exactly come to fruition because there's going to be something surprising coming up in your garden that you might want to keep or, you know, you're just going to run out of seeds or run, you know, I, I just, I learned not to be too attached to the plan, but to definitely prepare as much as I can. So what, uh, let's talk about soils a little bit and what you've, uh, what you've learned in your garden about soils. So you have a community garden and you had, took over a space that had been gardened before. Let's talk about like the history of your, of your spots and how that impacts what you're doing today. Yeah. So I had, I came to this spot last year and I've had the same plot two years running. And what I heard about the previous gardener is that they really meant well, but they really didn't do a whole lot. You know, they'd come and plant a few plants and never do anything in terms of, you know, building up the soil at the end of the season or really weed maintenance or anything like that. So I kind of had low expectations in terms of what it would produce. But last year actually was a pretty prolific year. I got lots of tomatoes and lots of berries and things like that because I had a strawberry patch Um, and I didn't do much to amend the soil at the end of the growing season last year and I knew that this year was a huge I wanted to do a lot of learning around that because um, at the beginning of the spring you know I'll have a ton of earthworms and stuff and then towards the end of the growing season it feels like I have no beneficial insects it's kind of just the pests Mm-hmm. So I thought oh, I need to do something for soil. And I finally got brave enough, thanks to your help, <laughs> to do a soil test. I don't know why I found the process so intimidating, but I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, it just felt like a lot. So I finally did and Good. sent the soil thing in. Yeah. And I finally got the results back too. So. Oh, how was it? Like, what did you find out? Well, it turns out that my soil is like 7.7 acidity. So not too bad. Yeah, that's um, okay. And it has. Yeah, that was okay. And and it was nice because, you know, the soil test results had the ranges. So I didn't have to like know what the numbers meant necessarily. It kind of interpreted everything on the page. So yeah, it was a lot less scary than I thought it would be. Um, But I have a ton of phosphorus in my soil and very little nitrogen. Okay. Like, yeah, phosphorus is off the charts. And I actually, the garden coordinator who started the garden about a decade ago, I showed him my results and he's like, very surprised at the phosphorus and he, he wanted to do some more research and get back to me on what that might be about. But it was oh, just kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. He, like he's been gardening for decades and he was like, well, huh, I wonder what that's about. Hmm. So. Well, there is, so in Minnesota, there are Minnesota, the state of Minnesota passed a law uh, probably 10 years ago. Now I forget exactly what it was that you can't use fertilizer that has phosphorus in it because in general, Minnesota soils are really high in phosphorus as it is. 
And so when you go to a hardware store or wherever you buy fertilizer for things, unless it's specifically if you have a soil test that says you uh, need phosphorus or if you are starting seeds of some sort, it's illegal to purchase and to use fertilizers with phosphorus in it because vast majority of our soils have plenty, if not too much, phosphorus in them. So that's uh, really interesting that that played out on your side of things. Do you Did it say uh, how you are for like organic material and that kind of thing in your soil? Yeah, I actually, I just pulled up the test again so I could provide you verified numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the organic material, let's see, the organic matter percentage was 6.7. So that's better than I thought it would be actually. Okay. Yeah, because you had thought but your I soil was pretty clay. Yeah, exactly. Well, I thought it was like just kind of depleted, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like a hard pack, like everything was just like smashed down. Right. You know, so I knew I knew that the texture was coarse, but I just felt like there was probably nothing left to give the plants. But you know, my my that's my unscientific new gardener speak for you know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Well, that's absolutely part of what you develop over time, especially from coming from a uh, someone who's starting to garden, you start to get a feel for those, for those things. Like you start to get a feel for this is what my soil should look like. And this is what feels like when it has a problem. This is what my tomato plants should look like. And this is what it feels like when they have a problem. You just kind of get that innate trust in yourself to really know when there's an issue with things. Yeah. And that's, I had, you know, done a lot of reading or watching videos on YouTube and stuff about how to tell when your soil is workable. So I don't know if it's because I love baked goods, but that idea that your soil like is, is sort of a perfect like cake where if you squished a piece of cake in your hand and it held, that's like, that's the soil you want. Right. And right. I knew that mine was like brownie batter that you forgot to add the wet ingredients to. <laughs> just crumbling. <laughs> well, as you, uh, so you, you mulch with straw and that will definitely help to, to do that and to keep that. What are your, what are your plans for soil health going into uh, the fall and next year? Yes. Well, I, I, I'm excited because since I did mulch a few weeks ago, my plants have really taken off and yeah, next year I'm going to do it even possibly dare I say in July, <laughs> but um, this fall, I have a big project where I, I think you called it double digging. Yeah. Um, is it okay? So I'm going to double dig the soil, which means you know you take. Um, I'm going to rake all the hay off to the side, and then I'll go two shovelfuls deep and kind of rotate the soil trenches because I have three separate beds, um, and I'm just going to kind of make sure to get really down in there. And then when I'm adding the soil back into the trenches that I've dug, I'm going to put compost in there. So I have to kind of start doing my homework about what kind of nitrogen based or, you know, what kind of compost that I, that I can add that has the right amount of nitrogen based on my soil test results. Yeah. Compost is a huge, huge help. And anytime we do like succession planting and adding other things in, just getting a layer of, a layer of compost in there and having some on hand and some community gardens have like a pile of compost that they have. that's just there for people to use as well. So yeah, that's perfect. And just to put a little caveat on the double digging piece, and that's not something you want to do often. Like this is because uh, you have seem to have a clay layer that's a little deeper down to help your root vegetables and different kinds of things like that to uh, have good airy soil to grow into. And so that's why 
doing that to help and incorporate more of that organic material down a little deeper to get up, increase that percentage of organic material for your soil there. Yeah, I love beets and carrots and potatoes, so definitely want to provide a happy environment for them to thrive. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Good. So what yeah. do you uh what have what are you expecting to do for next year? Do you have any plans like things you want to change, things that you want to grow differently for next year? What are your big 2022 plans? Oh, I feel like there's always always bigger plans. <laughs> <laughs> The, I've learned too, like over the, I got this um, book that's a week by week journal of gardening. So it tells you to write down your thoughts as you go along. Cause definitely in my, after my first year of gardening, I hadn't written anything down and I couldn't quite even remember where, like how the plants were laid out or what did well, what didn't do well. So I've been keeping track this year and a lot of my plans revolve around just doing more vertical gardening so that I can pack more into the square footage that I have. And I, this year I planted some beans that they were called Cherokee trail of tears beans. Mm -hmm. And I've got trellises. I have maybe four or five different sort of trellises that I had been using for something else that when, when it got decommissioned for the previous plant, I'd kind of add it to the stack because this bean just keeps climbing. Um, So I kind of do like fun stuff with like, okay, maybe I plant the bean at the base of a sunflower and, and kind of make the natural trellis sort of thing. Definitely want to make it look a little bit wild, but also be thoughtful in making sure that I'm planting things that will grow well together. And definitely, I learned one huge thing I learned from you about composting is don't put your weeds in your compost in your garden. (laughs) (laughs) So just for the other new gardeners out there who might not have realized, like if you keep having a weed problem, it's probably because weed seeds... Yeah, they thrive in the compost, right? What did you say? It provides a nice little warm, cozy wintering spot for them. (laughs) Yep, it it certainly does. When you have just like smaller, personal-sized compost, it doesn't get hot enough to kill those seeds off. And when it's a more commercially grown compost, those get up into the 150 degrees so that they they kill off those weed seeds. And so they're they're no longer, uh, in general, no longer viable. And then you don't have the issues. But when you have your own personal stuff. Yeah. You definitely want to keep those out of there. So you're not, you're not causing more problems for yourself as you learn. Yeah. yeah, That was a rookie mistake. I think that I started doing this year because I was like, Oh, I'm going to compost this year for sure. And okay. False start. I'm going to try, you know, maybe just kitchen scrap composting next year, build like uh, either buy one of those barrels that you can rotate or build something small. And just, you know, do the vegetable and fruit scraps and eggshells, that sort of thing, just to have a little bit of compost building, you know, and have a little corner dedicated to that. Right. But yeah, I just hope to grow more next year, too. Exactly. No, that's beautiful. All right. So we've got some quick fire questions here that I've been asking everybody that's been on the podcast to get to know you a little better and find out what you think about different items. So you ready for some quick fire questions, Jen? Absolutely. All right. First one is, uh, what's your favorite place to visit in Minnesota? The North Shore. Beautiful. What's your uh, favorite food that's grown in Minnesota? Oh, I'll have to pick one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say beets because they're on my mind. You'll say what? I missed it. Beets. Beets? Nice. I was talking to somebody the other day that they like eating the beet greens a lot more than the actual beet roots which I found fascinating. It was, it was very interesting. How do you like to eat, have your beets? 
Well, impressive for them because I wish I liked beet greens and just better greens in general. But I love pickled beets. Ah, beautiful. There you and go. My, Have you done your own? My rep- Yes, I like I like to do that for sure. Like I like kind of make a dill pickle style. I don't like the sweet pickles. Ah, so huh. mm-hmm. nice. I like that. Sister, I have a question about your rapid fire question. Does oh, it yeah, have well, to be a cultivated? It can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, if I was going for wild foods, I would have to say wild rice. Ah, yes, because <laughs> that's something you need to Minnesota. Yeah, and and it tastes amazing. What is your favorite food to grow? My favorite food to grow actually has been peppers. They're really fun. And like you said, they, they handle neglect, so I like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the last one is a question that Isla, my 10-year-old, came up with. And her question is, if you were a plant, what plant would you be? Mm. I think that I would be a, a climbing bean because I like to explore and I like to be up high. And uh, yeah. I think I I love that question too. It's very cute. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. So I didn't ask you, and I should have, your pole beans, are those part of your three sisters or is that something separate that you did? I got those later in the season. So those are separate. In my three sisters mound this year, I have butternut squash, um, Hopi black turtle beans, and then some corn from this great nonprofit farm called Dream of Wild Health out in Hugo. It's, awesome. um, I can't remember which kind of corn I planted. It was one of their three varieties that they, they had given away at a garden thing a couple of years ago. Cool. Do you want to explain to everybody mm-hmm. what Three Sisters is and why why it's important? Yeah. So um, for a lot of indigenous gardeners and me, I hail from the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe in, um, up in northeast northwest Minnesota. The Three Sisters Garden is corn, beans, and squash together. And, you know, Ojibwe's in Minnesota like to add the fourth sister, wild rice, just because that's one of our most sacred foods. But you grow those three together because they kind of all help each other out. Like the corn provides a climbing trellis for the beans and the beans fix nitrogen in the soil. And then squash kind of, uh, they say, we say that it shades the feet of the sister corn. So Mm -hmm. they all kind of, I'm sure there's more science behind it. I know a lot of folks have studied kind of why they all work well together. But for us, it's like, these are the three that really sustain us. And so we like to grow them together. Thanks for sharing that with everybody. Jen, thank you so much for being here. And uh, is there anything about gardening that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to share with other uh, newer gardeners? I would just say for new gardeners, don't be afraid to just try things. And if it doesn't work, then you'll know. And if it does work, then it just feels amazing. So you know, I think for me, it's been a, a process of just not letting myself get intimidated or overwhelmed by information. So my best advice is just get out there and play, give it a try, ask questions and have fun with it. Perfect. And I think the Garden Club has been awesome for helping me sort of be like, oh, I'm not the only one struggling with that pest or this, you know, problem or whatever. So beautiful. Well, thank you for that. And uh, that was a really, really great way to end. So Jen, I really appreciate your time and you being here and sharing with everybody and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Brad. You too. Thanks. Talk to you later. 
See what I mean? It was absolutely a pleasure chatting with Jen about her garden and what she's learned and where she's going. And it turned into more of a coaching kind of call than a real interview kind of thing. But I just really appreciate her time and all the cool things that she is doing and sharing them with our audience today. So you can find the show notes for this episode. You can find some pictures of Jen's garden. You can also find different links to the things that she mentioned in there at minnesotagardening.com slash four. And again, that's the number four, minnesotagardening.com slash the number four. And you can find those things there, as well as a link to the Minnesota Gardening Club. You may have heard Jen mention it. She's a member of uh, 45 or so folks who are part of the Minnesota Gardening Club that we started this spring where we all work together and uh, have a great growing community. You can join it. It is $10 a month for now. It will be open through October 24th, and then it will close again, and the price will go up after that. And so the Minnesota Gardening Club is open today, and it will be open through the end of the day on October 24th. And we focus on things like vegetable gardening, um, people's journeys for making their own food for increasing pollinators with landscape for uh, reducing inputs with sustainable lawn care and then also a lot of pollinator work with minnesota plant identification and trees and those kinds of things so it's a lot of fun and i really encourage you to check it out at minnesotagardeningclub.com again that's minnesotagardeningclub.com and so the next episode, uh, we have new episodes every Tuesday, so hopefully you subscribe so you don't miss a single one wherever you listen to podcasts. But next Tuesday, we have a uh, garlic grower who is going to share all the secrets of growing garlic here in our great state. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey.